what we know today about the UFO phenomenon is considerably more than we knew 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. And we have to, to understand it at three different levels. And the, the first level is the physical level. And all we can say about UFOs at the physical level is that it's a lot of energy in a small space. Oh. If we could take the energy of a nuclear reactor and contain it within this studio, for example, yeah. you'd have something that would approximate what a UFO does. It's a lot of energy in a small space emitted through uh, light energy and through pulsed microwave energy. Oh. The second level is what happens to witnesses, what would happen to you and, and me and Good guy. if we were close to that source of energy. I've had witnesses tell me we were driving north when they were, everybody knows they were driving south. They were disoriented at the time. Uh, loss of a sense of time, people thinking that only 10 minutes went by and three hours went by. Uh, very often uh, effects on the skin, sunburns, effects on the eyes, going from conjunctivitis to blindness. Yeah. There have been cases where after a UFO close encounter, uh, it seems that the healing process had been sped up. And then there is a, a third level, the level I was addressing in Messengers of Deception, which is a social level. The, the impact on the, our belief systems. At that level, it really doesn't matter whether UFOs are real or not. If enough people believe that something is real, then it is real in its, in its effects. In terms of in the, social reality. In terms of the social reality, in terms of what people act according to their beliefs. And uh, that opens a question of, really at two levels, uh, could the UFO phenomenon be manipulating us? Could it be a teaching system of some sort? Perhaps something that we are creating ourselves. I think Carl Jung came very close to, to expressing that idea in, in one of his books, or could it be manipulated purposely by people who have the technology to simulate UFO sightings? And people say, well, of course not. Who would do a thing like that? Good guy. Well, I would remind you that during the Watergate investigation, it was discovered that there was a plan to uh, surface a submarine off the coast of Cuba and paint the second coming of Christ over the island of Cuba using holograms. I have personally investigated several apparently genuine UFO cases where my conclusion, the conclusion of scientists working with me, was that there was in fact a manipulation taking place and that it was not a hoax on the part of the witnesses, but a hoax on the part of somebody much better organized. Thank you, beautiful motherfuckers, for listening to the secret society of soccer leak and stuff with Rob and Chuck. You know, I, I find that, that rotating between like six or seven different projects keeps the, the creative, you know, energy. Yeah, but if you just sit and focus on one thing forever, it's going to become a job and you're not going to, it's just going to turn into a format, you know, and I don't, I don't want that. Yeah, that makes sense. It kind of keeps each uh, compartment kind of acting at full speed. <clears throat> I'll tell you, I, recently... I got a real fucking problem, like a real fucking problem. I've been writing these little blurbs um, about this Blood King, Zargon, Scourge of Tor. It's like a Conan-type figure, and they're fucking hilarious, but I can't stop writing them. And I'm, I'm finding myself, like, doing them in, like, this English accent in the car when no one's around <laughs> All things that the regal blood king Zargon scourge of Tor desire flow naturally to him, like Skork's honey, into the fat man's lassie patoos. <laughs> but even honey must first meet Zargon's thirsty blade. So drink Diet Coke.
before it too has perished. <laughs> I've got to stop. I've got to stop. It's turning into a real fucking problem. It's called like method acting, right? Where you, you go to that next level. I don't know, because I'm not a fucking method actor. I'm just a regular dude with a Zargon problem. Even the Slayer and Issa of Hellbrain needs a moment to relax now and again. <laughs> you see, I've taken clear advantage of your titty wit, Mooncap. <laughs> I've led you by the hand into the murder gulch. <laughs> All who know Sargon's name can plainly tell you <laughs> that the head of the sleigh helm does not rest or sleep or bother to close his eyes to fantasize about dreams. Oh, you stupid, stupid cock-minded goat person. Oh, shit. Anyways, I, I interviewed a new experiencer uh, day before yesterday. His name is Troy Williams. How'd that go? Well, as it was so much of what he said mirrored, not exactly your story, but, the, you know, the, the old similarities were waiting in the wings. You know, it, it's, 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 it does not defy categorization. It, it really repeats itself in, in big ways, big themes. The, the experience might not be the same. The, the occupants may be different for everybody, but the, the theme is always very similar. And just hearing that, hearing that, that this guy's having similar experiences to what you're having, it freaks me out. Uh, like lately, I've kind of been, I don't know, I've hit a kind of dead end with the stuff like i haven't i get into like these little pockets where i'll go down the rabbit hole but it's hard it's getting it's getting a lot i'm kind of giving up hope that we'll kind of get any type of answers in our lifetime you know part of me wishes that we'd made the podcast about fucking football you know fantasy football or something no this is so much cooler you know i've been researching this and i'm not talking about like casually reading books here and there i mean i've dedicated huge swaths of my time to this subject you know and and money and fucking reading and and gathering data collating data trying to talk to witnesses and experiencers and contactees and abductees and i am no closer to understanding what it is than I was when I first started. We've talked before about how there, you could count less than one hand the truths you'll have of, of the phenomenon that you can kind of bank on. And that's definitely one of them, which is any rabbit hole you get down to, any experience you have, once you get to that threshold of the light bulb moment, it just does a complete 180 and something happens or you find something that just puts you in a complete different direction and you're back at square zero like you didn't even start. I think that just might be the game. Like, that's just the game. It's why it's the phenomenon's been around since our existence and it's why it's the biggest mystery ever. It's no coincidence that we ha- we don't have any answers. That's just just part of the game. Well, now... Having having said that, now I, I I'm I'm going to backtrack just a little because I did find something. I uh, I tracked down a book on the parapsychological hypothesis of UFOs, which is more Carl Jung's speed. Well, he he well, no, actually, I did you get I, into the Red Book. Oh, yeah, I've, I've had the Red Book for a fucking long time, dude. Yeah. But no, his, when he talks about the trickster god archetype, it's this god of the threshold uh, straddling the, the road, you know, that divides real and unreal, that, you know, fact and fiction, the grotesque and the wondrous, um, you know, it, whenever you think that you're about to understand something, he pulls the the boundary back, and you're you're left 
in the gray over and over again. It's a harsh reality to be confronted with because at first, you know, it's this gut reaction like, oh my God, this is all psychological. But then again, you, you it's not because there's clearly physical craft. There's clearly, you know, people are experiencing something when they're abducted, when they're, when they're having these experiences, it's, it's not just in their heads. Other people can verify that this shit's going on. But pictures are taken. You take pictures. There's something r- real about parapsychology that we need to begin addressing because if 5% of what those cocaine-addled old men say is true, then we got some serious psychotherapy work to do on not just ourselves, but on society as a whole. Well, I'm glad you touched on that. It goes along. I was having a conversation with my mom about it, and because uh, I was telling her, like, I don't know if you followed the UFO community in general, but there's been a lot of kind of podcast people who have reached in the last like six months kind of veered away from the community. There's been a lot of like trash out there, people dogging each other and kind of a lot of hate, which is stupid, but there's been kind of a trend where there's a number of them going, Hey, I've hit a wall. It's just logically like there's just not enough evidence there. And it's just logically closer to it's us. Like it's some type of, black program stuff that we have so okay so let's just take the route that the phenomenon all this stuff it's dod related whether it's projections holograms it's mass hallucinate like mk ultra type stuff let's just say that's true let's say the alien hypothesis all that stuff is false it's almost worse and it's even more of a reason why this stuff needs to be talked about because if at the end of the day, the government comes out and says, hey, good news, there's no phenomenon. It's been our defense program the whole time. Like, fuck you. You're testing on us. And you're, yeah. you've made people think they're fucking crazy and go down this rabbit hole that maybe there's some other shit out there. People would be fucking pissed. Isn't it worse if that's the case? The worst case scenario is there are no phenomenon and it's us. That's batshit crazy. If the DOD is just out there making regular ass people think there's a whole nother phenomenon out there. I mean, dude, don't, don't ever, 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 you know, think that the intelligence agencies aren't capable of something like that. I mean, they're single handedly responsible for ushering in the fucking age of Aquarius, the fucking CIA. They're the ones who brought acid into universities and, and literally paid young psychiatrists money to, to, to do testing on it. And so they started passing out to their fucking students. And so the chemists started learning how to recreate it. The CIA literally brought the first shipment on accident, by the way, and they're literally responsible for the entire counterculture revolution of the 60s. So, you know, to, to say that they're somehow responsible for whatever this is, is certainly not out of the question. And I'll just clarify, like, I don't fall under that umbrella because that argument dies for me once you go past like the 40s the further you go back there's too many stories and instant and sightings we didn't have dod programs back in the 1800s and like the other civilizations so like that that just falls dead for me yeah yeah because look as many sightings and stories as there's been in the history of it like yeah we've had secret programs back to through tesla but like once you get past the early 1900s, we weren't, we didn't have that technology. It just wasn't, that didn't exist. Yeah, I guess that, that makes, well, so, all right, well, then, then. I don't know. I don't know. Cause you brought up young and young, I think is very topical. Cause I don't, I'm also not putting it out of outside of the spectrum of possibility that it's, not that it's mass hallucination, but there's another level of consciousness and there's just an existence of consciousness and the phenomenon is kind of a, a side effect of that. Well, we know that there's, there's altered states of consciousness that exist, you know, independent of 
our subjective perception of it. Yeah, so there's there's something there's too many similarities between like DMT and and mushrooms and stuff like that, and a lot of the effects of the phenomenon. There's just too many crossovers for it not to be linked in some way. Far too many parallels. Correlation is not necessarily causation. But of course, then you have parallels between. UFOs and occultism. I mean, really, really striking parallels to where you're left with the stark impression after reading all of the evidence that this is an occult phenomenon. Um, but occultism, as we all know, is a, is a parapsychological tool, essentially, a way to manipulate the, the world around you using your, your steel will. But but say this is just an objective thing. Say that these things are craft from, uh, you know, another planet or another dimension, wherever they come from. They're, they're here now and they're abducting people. And let's just be conservative. One percent of, you know, Americans are or have been abducted and not just since the 40s, but throughout most of human history. I mean, we have abduction accounts going back to. Um, you know, the, the, the capture of, of Israel by the ba- Babylonian kings, you know, the scrolls of Onron, where this guy wakes up and he's in a, on an operating table, essentially, and there's a, a reptilian on one side and then a fucking what appears to be like a Pleiadian on the other. And they're saying, you know, choose which one of us you want to rule you. And this guy's like, what the fuck? I, I don't know. what. <laughs> anyway, so the abduction phenomenon goes way, 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 way back. So if that's the case, then there is one process that should have changed who we are fundamentally as a result of that uh, continued interference by these creatures. And that's natural selection. So you're saying if they are in the objective realm that, there should have been a tipping point because of natural selection. Well, look, look at um, beetles who are hunted by, or uh, moths that are hunted by, uh, uh, you know, s- snakes or whatever. They 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 have uh, spots on their wings that look like owls. You know, this is called right. adaptation, right? So so we very 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 seriously should have adapted ourselves by now to protect ourselves against these things which are picking us off literally and and fucking with us fucking with our genome we, we should be able to see some sort of change in our ability to disguise ourselves from these things that has changed over time um something there has to be something that's happened because this has been going on for like thousands of years if not hundreds of thousands of years at least tens yeah, of you thousands think, you would think we would develop some type some type of defense mechanism and not just that but there are problems with the et uh, hypothesis that involve natural selection too natural selection if you just took natural selection as a theory and applied it you know as a tool to extrapolate what kind of life you would find on other planets it wouldn't be what's coming out of these fucking craft. I mean, like seven-headed lizard people made of sand that have come to Earth looking for KY jelly to eat would be the least of it. I mean, these things should be made of fucking crystals, and they should have eyes that are made of holograms. I mean, the complexity of life should be way more bizarre than what we're seeing or what we're hearing about. Well, one of the variables that... I always bring up when you kind of talk in in that mode is it your optics change if that stuff is all projection and some of that stuff isn't objective like when you talk about the different races and the the thing with three hat like if they're all interchangeable and it's used kind of like like a movie for them that kind of changes the optics the way it's looked at Again, a point for the IDH. So, I mean, I, I just can't. I, I think that maybe, I don't know, maybe, I think that all of the ET shit uh, that we're seeing is government bullshit. I think that we 
we didn't capture a fucking craft from another planet. I, I think that in the 40s and the, the 1800s even, we captured craft that had traveled here from another dimension or a parallel reality. I think that, that we built these craft based on technologies that don't exist naturally in this universe. And I think that that would explain all of the cover stories and all these aliens that, that have clearly been anthropomorphized. That's a literary uh, de device. It's not an evolutionary one. So clearly someone's telling us stories. Clearly. Uh, natural selection says that, that these things should be different. Way, 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 way more different. So it, it, it's definitely not the ETH. I, th I think that they're clearly from another dimension. Yeah, for me, that's become the leader in the clubhouse. Another dimension, another plane of existence. And we touched on, there's just too much unknown about our, our limitations optically. And we brought up before and tossed this brainstorm around where, like, what if the magnetic spectrum and the electromagnet, what if those spectrums within them is the ability for an existence of some type of organism or living entity. Like those are spectrums that we're optically never going to get to without assistance from technology. And what if, what if consciousness itself is a, 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 is a part plane of, of existence spectrum? So I've, I've, I have brought that up in many group conversations I've had about this, that, if you go back far enough and you, you do some research with monks, Tibet reading, Egyptian philosophies, you're going to read about the higher self level and then the kind of that next level of consciousness, which is like group consciousness, where you reach a level of consciousness that everybody is intertwined and when you go down that path and you start to open up the doors in that room, you start to see a lot of overlap in the things that are under the phenomenon umbrella. Like right off the bat, you can add in remote viewing because remote viewing, if you read the elite remote viewers who is Ingo Swan and um, Price, McGonagall, those guys back in the 70s and 80s, they explain it as a group consciousness they're pulling from a over high level of consciousness that they're pulling this info from so that's where they exist at the phenomenon whatever light energy entity it exists in that conscious level that we have not evolved to there's too much personality and trickster stuff to the the experiences that you have when you cross paths with it that it's unexplainable and when you go into the unexplainable you go into consciousness because you go to the brain and the brain is unexplainable we know jack shit about the brain and for me that's where you go to you go to if you have a phenomenon that has nothing but unexplainable things the biggest organ in our body that has that many unanswered questions is the brain. So for me, they they go hand in hand. I'm not a big Bigelow fan. I not because I disagree with him or agree with him. I just the cool stuff he is doing now with the study of after death stuff is really cool. And there was a lecture the other day with that they were doing about post death and and your consciousness living on. And somebody at, stood up and asked him a question in the Q and A about if his team who's doing this, these studies, if they encountered any of the hitchhiker effect, and he said a bunch of them have, which is interesting because the hitchhiker effect is what I refer to a lot as it's the other, it's the stuff outside of the sightings. It's the stuff that I talk about, the, the anomalies and imprints I see on pictures, the, the on the ground stuff. And they're, they're not studying the phenomenon. They're studying just consciousness in general. And they're having a effect 
that is basically, since it's been named the hitchhiker effect, it's tied to the phenomenon. But they're not studying the phenomenon. They're studying consciousness and the effects of consciousness after death. So the rabbit holes you go down when you talk about after death, consciousness, the brain, the phenomenon, there's way too many overlapping similarities. But, uh, you know, I think, and then people obviously immediately run to that overlap, to those bridges, and they start studying the bridges as if those are going to provide the answers. But those are the first things to fade away whenever somebody has a clearer understanding of what the phenomenon really is. You know, bridges are temporary things, you know, when it comes to trying to connect with what we know to what we don't know, you know, it's, it's, they're temporary until we get a full understanding of the, of the problem. What we, we guess. And I think that that's what a lot of this fucking shit is just guesses. It's just guess after guess after. And that's why people are so pissed that the government's just withholding, like withholding, like they're, they're like the worst mother in a serial killer movie. You know what I mean? They're, they're like they're, every time a serial killer on some documentary starts describing his mother or her mother, it's exactly what the go- just think about the government. I mean, w- gaslighting, fucking torture. It we've really got to do something about this fucking government. I, I think that that's where we need to start. Really what getting bug- what bugs me the most about the government disclosure is there is kind of an easy step for them to quell a lot of this and it's releasing the full length videos that they have, which look, I get the line of, if you release those videos, you're risking giving away certain advantages they have of, cause adversaries will get to see kind of the different gadgets we have and the different things we do to detect objects in the sky. They, they use it more as like, if we release the full Tic Tac video, Russia and China will be will have more knowledge of the the defense mechanisms that we use to detect. I'm not just talking about, about like China and Russian vehicles in the sky. They'll be able to, t- which I understand. Showing the full length video, you'll you'll kind of give away that stuff. But there are there has to be countless ways you can do it to where you can you can quell this. Like if they really wanted to, they can put this to bed. By releasing more, whether it's stills or cl- they have clear videos, it's factual. They have clear videos of those events. And that's what bugs me is I don't know why you wouldn't do that. The only big reason you wouldn't do it is because you don't have answers for it. The, re- the reason for giving away the mechanisms you use to rush and shine. I don't believe that because we're always of a mindset that we have better stuff than them. It's just, it's upsetting to me that, that, that the government keep, keeps using these uh, uh, terrorists. <laughs> the intelligence agencies, their biggest foe is the American people. They've shown it time and time again, over and over again. They don't care about China. They don't care about Russia. They don't care about the Middle East. They care about keeping the population in check. That's kind of the end game with this full disclosure. Whatever word and kind of one-upsmanship they've had with us as a society, that's all gone when this full disclosure happens because it's a game changer. Like the fact that there is something greater than us out there, and if that becomes factual, this whole way of democracy and warring and religions that's all going to change and they're aware of that if 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 in if what we're assuming you know to be true is actually true then they're very well aware of what's coming and they've prepared for it in some way well for me that's why they're delaying so much the secrecy and delaying this stuff is is inevitable because there is no upside for the for them to release this information. There just isn't. Because like you said, if somebody says, well, the upside is they give Amer- us as the people what we should have, which is the knowledge of this stuff. But that's not their goal. Their goal is not to make us the most knowledgeable. And their goal is to keep themselves in power. Fascism, communism, democracy, any type of philosophy you have, it puts all of that into question because... Once that's out in the open, 
then everything we've learned about ourselves and our country is up for question because none of it's real. When has the government given two shits about a single person? It, in oh, fact, never, let me go, never. Yeah, let, let me, let me, I'm sure we can actually recount uh, several instances, in fact, when they've literally turned the full machinery of its horror on American citizens in the name of scientific research, in the name of keeping the status quo. So when we're dealing with that, and in conjunction with a phenomenon that is subjective to an individual's experience, the two don't mix, bud. I mean, those are, that's fucking oil and water. They will do what's best for them at all times. All you need to do is look at MKUltra. That's the, I mean, there's so many more examples, but I mean, that's just flat out in your face. Like, I don't know how you could read a book about that and, and have good yeah. feelings about the government. And any, the experience. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Syphilis page. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, really? And they just keep apologizing. They just keep apologizing. Like, it's, oh, well, you know, it wasn't me. Well, it's apologies. And in the end, we're doing it for national security and then people just forget about it. you say national security and it just becomes a oh well okay if it's for if it's for our the greater defense then everything's okay <laughs> it's a they're a great they're a great comic book villain and when you have now the greatest question of our lifetime which is the phenomenon the villain is going to do because the phenomenon plays the hero in that comic book. If the government's the villain, and that villain will do whatever it can to beat the the hero. Ah, but in it, with a hero that literally has no mouth with which to defend itself, you can bet that the villain will absolutely give it a voice that you know. Correct. At least, you know Correct. What I mean? That that that. The villain will give the hero the voice that makes the hero look like the villain, for sure. You know, I had a, a, a hunch when I was much, much younger that the, the craft that were crashing were projections of group unconsciousness. And, and they crashed because for some reason, by some miracle conjunction, uh, they... they took a little too much of a, of a root in, in this objective reality and they actually crashed onto the earth. And that's why the creatures are like androids and the, the craft have no sharp corners. Like they were just flashed into existence. Uh, there's a lot of, there are people that go down that route. There's, um, I mean, there are philosophers that do exercises where it's assumed that in objective reality, your consciousness, your thoughts could in essence create an objective um, object. And I mean, look, that's not, I don't put that in the trash bag either, that objects, physical objects that we see are not just manifestations of a higher consciousness. Wouldn't that be funny if, if, if it turned out to be true that the government has just been playing with figments of its own imagination for, you know, decades and they actually got real technology out of it? Fucking angry. Wouldn't that be well, look, if you're, if you're playing that game and you, and you take the assumption as true that there is a higher level of consciousness that exists, then who's to say with that existing that it's not possible to enter that, that plane and then manipulate it and do what you want within it. If that's true, that there's a plane of existence of a higher consciousness, then it must be true that there's a way to access it and then maneuver within that plane. Here's a little loose tie-in, actually it's kind of a heavy tie-in. You know, they talk about uh, dimensionality interdimensional, paradimensional, you know, dimensionality is essentially a, a one dimension is like a point, right? And if you pull that point at right angles to itself, it becomes a line that's 
uh, two dimensions. You pull the line at right angles to itself, it becomes a plane. Um, uh, I'm sorry, that's two dimensions. You pull the plane at right angles to itself, and it becomes a cube, which is three dimensions. You pull the cube at right angles to itself, it becomes a tesseract. That's space-time continuum, essentially. And, and they can't think of another direction. They can't think of, actually, I can. Uh, there's within and without. The, this, this constant, you know, harping on about fucking spirit, it can't just be nonsense. I think that we're catching the, the, the shadow of, of, a, of another dimensional plane uh, out of the corner of our eye. I think that that would explain very, very succinctly what's going on. Well, that's, that's how people smarter than us, that's how they get to fourth dimensional object is what you just said. You, you run out of that space on the page with geometry and that's what takes you to the thought that there are other dimensions. Cause then once you go into the fourth dimension, you start seeing objects that would look like what you're trying, what you were just trying to express. That's what those fourth dimensional objects look like. Well, the fourth dimension is time. And, and we know that, that, that we're, that it's not a part, a full part of the space-time continuum. We know that it's separate because we can only perceive one direction of it, right? Rather than rather than omnidirectional, and it's been proven that there is no time. Everything exists in a state that is. Well, wait, you know, you're saying? I'm saying that beyond that, into a fifth-dimensional realm, there is a, another. And, and even Einstein, he said that it's it spirals in. You know, that's, it's so tightly spiraled in that we probably wouldn't see it. And that's true. We wouldn't see it. We're feeling it. We're, it's within. It's our consciousness. It's our spirit. It's our soul. Uh, it, it, I mean, obviously, that's putting a little too much of an esoteric spin. But what you just said, the spiraling in motion, that's the golden ratio. It's what nature is built off of. Beep. I am so tired. That's the Fibonacci sequence. I think I'm so tired. I don't know. I don't know. Beep. It's, how do you define spirit? How do you define soul? Uh, how do you define? No. So that's a that's a x kind of that's a x factor variable in all of this discussion is the higher self, the higher being, the the soul of a human. If that exists, that kind of changes everything because then that opens the door to a lot that opens the door to reincarnation that opens the door to earth potentially being like a a school where you're you're here to learn lessons and then as you progress you're able to reach a higher self in a different lifetime that stuff opens up a whole lot more fun conversations because if the soul and spirit is real, like that's a game changer. Right. But it also, whenever you start talking about stuff like that, it, you also lose about 75% of your audience. Anybody who is paying up, paying attention up until that point, immediately wanders off. They meander back to their Xboxes and their PlayStation because most people can't truly differentiate between within and without, you know, they're, they haven't explored their subjective space with enough, you know, attention to detail to, to be able to tell that there is truly a, a universe inside of us. To be you know, honest, I, I kind of attribute to why we are in this disclosure conversation and like why now? I think that's part of it. I think part of it is when you talk about collective consciousness, social media plays a huge part in that because we're connected to so many different people across the world more than ever in this planet's history to where I think that ignites something. And I think what it also does is we're so much more evolved consciously. I think that's... Like I know for me at 38 are having conversations like that and are at least more open to it. Not to say like that's the leading conversation in my friend groups, but 
if I were to bring it up, people wouldn't poo-poo it. Like people would entertain it. Whereas before, like you said, it would be laughed off. But I think I think we have progressed a little bit to where people will at least entertain it and they won't just laugh at it right off the bat. Yeah, but I mean I think I think to be honest with you, man, we, we, we need to we need to do a whole lot more than make these minuscule, you know, movements forward. I mean, we have kids that are really shooting up their own elementary schools because there is no other way that they can see where they can expand. You know, it's all school. It's all reality. It's all Xbox. It's all social media. They think that that is the only reality. I mean, you're, it's a very complicated subject. This, this mass No, I agree with you. I think a large part of the problem is there's been a, a, a opening of the veil where there is now because of where we are with technology there's such a fine line between what's real and what's not because i don't know if you've done one of those virtual reality games lately but that thing you put those goggles on for an hour you you forget what's what and that's that definitely fucks with your head and especially if you're already if you're a young kid who hasn't fully developed mentally or if you're a young kid who's who's a little depressed like that can fuck with you oh shit and what if you're getting bullied in the virtual space as well (laughs) where it doesn't stop you go to the metaverse to escape it and then it just continues there fuck but you have to understand and that's the reason that this fucking goddamn there's such this empiricism has fucking rationalism has ruined us as a people you know we, we we have to know not believe know that there is something else there that that exists beyond whatever is happening to us in this world if we're being tortured to death if we're facing a bullet from the business end of a fucking gun during a holocaust if we're being lined up in pits and trenches for death we have to know that that we're going to be okay. We have to know that we're going to be okay. Otherwise, this is it. Well, and look, one thing I will say to, if this ends up getting up on your site, any listeners out there who, who do have issues like that or, or any questions or, or even thinking about going to see a therapist, I recently, um, got in touch with somebody and I started having appointments with a therapist um, mainly because I'm approaching two years sober from the Percocet addiction. Um, But it just got to a point with me where I didn't see any, I've held off for a while because I wanted to do it my own way. And I just wasn't fully ready to go there and, and talk to somebody like that. But, um, I'm looking forward to doing it because I'm a very sociable person, but a lot of personal things I internalize because I just prefer not to share it with everybody. And I'm looking forward to having that relief. And, and even if the therapist doesn't help me with progressing or advancing, at least he's somebody I can go to and, and unload all of this stuff. Um, and just have somebody there to bounce stuff off of. And cause there are places that I do need to get better as a person and coming out of the addiction. And I definitely think we're in a place in a society where that's become not as much of a sore spot for people willing, especially guys willing to go talk to somebody. Um, right. But don't be afraid to do that. That's a step I'm taking and, and looking forward to hopefully it helping me progress because January will be two years sober. Be, and as a side note, if, if anybody out there is thinking, well, yeah, but I can't afford therapy, then you can always email me personally at secretsocietyofstuff at gmail.com and I'll, I'll help you find a way to, you know, to, to find therapy. I mean, that's, that's not a, problem it's just sometimes if you don't know where to look it's it's 
Anyways, I'm so tired. Beep. And I need to start working and start looking from within and, and see the different things that I can do personally that will then help that outward growth of, of my circle and, and family. First of all, ignore the fucking kids that are fucking with you and go pick up a book by Joseph Campbell and a couple of sci-fi novels and just lose yourself in yourself. Don't, don't ignore everything else. Just lose yourself in yourself and don't turn to anger as a, you know, as a solution because it's, it's a dead end. Get more in tune with yourself. And what that was one of the biggest things I made was having that embarrassment to go through and, and finally telling everybody what I did and, and the bridges I burned, like having that low point allowed me to say, I, from here on, I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. Because I already know right off the bat, most people are going to have a, their first thoughts going to be built already for me because they know I used to be an addict. So I can throw that out the window of, because I was a big person who I cared a whole lot about what other people thought about. And the addiction in a weird way was a gift because it gave me that ability to throw that out the window. Because people right off the bat are already going to have their first thought about who or what I am as a person because of my past and what I did. So that allows me to just not give a fuck. And it's freed me up personally to live life a lot freer and to do the stuff that I want to do and have the thoughts I want to do and be unique as who I am and not have to worry about what people think about me because I'm cheating. They, I already have an idea of what they're going to think, so I'm just doing what I'm doing. If you don't like it, then you just don't hang out with me. Yeah, good for you, by the way. That's that's fucking incredible. You're seeking a, a transmutation of your experiences into something better. You know, you can experience these deep, painful, embarrassing, you know, events that you at time don't think that you can recover from when in fact if you can just hold on a little bit longer the very thing that is causing you so much anguish then and there can be used alchemically later in life turn you somehow magically into like a really really spiritually grounded person and it's a it's a gift it's a gift but you you can't you can't misuse that gift. Even funnier, I had like a double whammy of that because I had the addiction, started to get sober, and then a year into sobriety, I had my first initial experience and encounter with the phenomenon and tying it in with our phenomenon conversation. Being interested in the phenomenon or being an experiencer also allows you to throw out the window other people's perception of you because there's that there's still definitely a stigma with that where I saw it with my friends when I started posting stuff on Twitter like people were hitting me up like bro like are you okay like did you start using again when I was start posting UFO stuff no I was like just give me a call and like we can have a conversation I can just let you in on some of the stuff I've been experiencing but it's also just something I'm interested in. And just because I'm interested in something that's kind of outside the box doesn't mean for me personally that I'm getting fucked up again, but it also doesn't mean I'm any different. Like everybody has their interests in life. And for some reason, UFOs still have that stigma that, but that gives us in the UFO community that allows you to, to get more in tune with yourself because you have an interest and a like and a passion for a topic that a lot of people are going to laugh at and they're going to look at you and be like, what, like, what are you talking about? And the joke's going to be on them when all this stuff starts to come out and then they start coming to you because you're going to be the person to talk to about it. It's interesting that you mentioned that this stuff happened shortly after the addiction. And I was talking just now about the alchemical process. Do you think that perhaps this could be yours 
Well, look, there's a conversation to be had. The small group of people that I've, it's actually not a small group, it's probably double digits now of experiencers that I've interacted with through social media. You'd be surprised how it's actually a very high percentage of those people have some type of past trauma, whether it's specifically addiction. Uh, Like I know a bunch of people who have gotten past addiction or on the other side now who are, who now have had experiences and encounters, but it also goes to past trauma, whether it's past abuse or bull like trauma. And I think if you do enough research, Gary Nolan has touched on it a little bit with his studies but there is something in that where past trauma, there's something in the network of the brain where potentially that turns tuner a little bit and gets you closer to that, that tuning in with the phenomenon. It is for sure a fact that past trauma opens you up or gets you closer to that. Well, and hearing from all the, the MK Ultra studies and all the, the studies on mind control, they say that trauma is essentially like a palate cleanser for the mind. It, it erases huge swaths of personality. It's like a nuclear explosion for personality, an ego. So maybe um, it gives your it gives your personality a reboot, and right. then it opens up doors in your brain that maybe weren't were open a crack or maybe weren't fully open before. Right, exactly. And I think Gary Nolan's getting into a lot of that stuff with his study of the, that I, I would butcher the name, but the part of the brain that he's currently studying in regards to the connection to the phenomenon. People like that, like, you know, I'm not, like those, those guys definitely, have, they have to be freaky in the love life. Yeah, like I saw that dude on 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 what's that dude? That weird fucking Dutch guy on the Joe Rogan Experience or whatever, and he could he was talking, but his words were so convoluted and abstract. You could tell that he lived in that. You because you have to you have to if you're no not Elon uh, this weird Dutch physicist. But if you're gonna commit yourself to being a a theoretical physicist. You're going to be living in that realm. You're not going to be living in the fucking here and now. I mean, yeah, Einstein. Look, those those people's brains work in a in a different way than everybody else's. Exactly. So there has to be a point, like a cutoff point, where like, okay, you know, do I want to like be the smartest person in the world, or do I want to be able to gather useful information and bring it back to the people who need it? Because that guy wasn't able to communicate anything very clearly. He was able to communicate to people who were specialists in their field. And those people were able to communicate to reporters or people on podcasts. And then, but, but it's, then it's the telephone game. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't live in abstractions. It doesn't do anybody any good. Well, it's funny kind of how it, how that works in life where like, whether you believe in, god or evolution like however we were made it's very clear that it's like one or the other like it's very rare that you find somebody who's like very very book smart and very street smart it's very hard that you find somebody who's very street smart and very book you get one or the other it's almost like however we were designed they thought it would be unfair to give people like both elite levels of social and street smart and uh, academic smart one example marcus aurelius maybe suit caesar no they were both fucking uh uh you think of one person like in one way or another like maybe they have a little street smart but if you put them in a room full of people like they're going to be so awkward it's not even going to be funny right right oh god jock valet maybe valet and yeah, Valet, I don't know, because I only see him as a, on, with lectures and stuff. But he I mean, strikes you, me as person that as a person that would be very odd in a social setting. Yeah. God, it was, I, I've known so many people who are odd in social settings. Ark is really weird when he's being recorded. Have you, have you listened to that dude, the, po- the podcast that I've done with him? Yeah, I just, I just listened again to the, the disaster <laughs> one where they were both smoking. Damn it, dude. I mean, it's my favorite thing. 
like interview them because Ark like plainly makes no sense. He'll start just talk words will come out of his mouth. And Rob will will get really, really <laughs> emotional. <laughs> God damn it, dude. It's my favorite thing in the world. It's like opening up presents on Christmas. I just don't know what I'm gonna get. You know what I mean? Well it's funny. I don't, have you ever heard have you ever listened to Kanye West talk? Like you ever heard him? Yeah. Like, oh, God, I do talk all day long. Dude. So He's... I've never heard anybody explain it so well. After he was on Rogan's podcast, Rogan's next guest, they were talking about it. And the way Rogan explained it was the greatest way I've ever heard it explained. He's like, look, he's like a a battery that has like a million watts going through it, whereas a normal person has a hundred and his form of communication is it's just a highway of information coming through and he's just grabbing what he can. It's not that like, he doesn't know how to vocalize it. It's just, he has so many thoughts going through his head. And when he grabs one, he just goes into a stream of consciousness and starts spitting it out. Yeah, but he's also a bibliomaniac, which is a big fucking problem. No, for sure he has other – yeah, for sure. I'm just talking specifically in the way he verbalizes stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's definitely a megalomaniac. 100% that dude's a megalomaniac. What what do you have to say to not get canceled if you want to talk about people who Uh, – like mentally challenged. No, that's out too. That's out too. If you say that, you're going to get canceled. That's me too now too. Yeah, they'll take your kids away wow. if you say. Yeah, uh, fucking, I don't want my kids to get taken away. So I'm just trying to think, like, what's a good way to say, like, what share is without saying it, you know, like, and and offending other people like share, like Kanye. Uh, what is it? It's intellectually just no. That's not it either. Intellectually so, subpar. Some yeah, you know, they're just they're donkey people. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. They just. <laughs> All right, dude. I've got enough. I've got enough of, of this recorded. I love you, buddy. Thank you. This is amazing. I always need this kind of intellectual stimulation in order to move forward in my life because it's just sometimes hard. I'm always here. Love you, bro. Be good. Love you, man. Be good. But don't you try to flam, I ain't nobody's hoe.
the preacher, hope it hit you, cause I ain't the one. And if you didn't listen, kid, because I'm being one. For all you sorry saps, so can I rap you need some lessons? Come off the back, you couldn't rap for some surprises. Presence. You lack the essence that it takes to be a bulldog. And if I wasn't true, I wouldn't have no bulldog. But when it comes to having pull, I've never been a failure. Matter of fact, black, I'm pulling like a trailer trailer. See, all the skins are moving in because I'm getting paid. But if you take away the P, all I got left is AIDS. And I ain't going O U T L I K A T S and T. That's simply how it gotta be. That's how I'm living, G. And if you couldn't spell, I said I wasn't going out like that. And everything was right, rewind and spell it back. So who you telling, black? I'm the one you're telling, black. Thinking of rebelling because your album is a selling jack. I couldn't stand what you can't understand, son. But sweat the other man because your I ain't the damn one. Oh, 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 o